Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your new host, Brendan Bolin. Uh, Join alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. And before we get started today, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to former host Alex. Alex was gracious enough to give Ed and I the keys to Blitzcast to continue to, you know, make these great podcasts that we are so passionate about. And Alex was a phenomenal host, but he's on to bigger and better things with his life. So best of luck to you, Alex, and we hope we can get you back on uh, some episodes here in the near future. Uh, How you doing today, Ed? Pretty good. How are you? And yeah, I just want to echo that and just say that, um, you know, being on Blitzcast with Alex has been great. Um, He's very knowledgeable. Um, I've learned a lot about football from him. He really knows the inside part of the game. His predictions aren't always on, but, you know, he's he's an excellent host. Um, He's excellent at, you know, analysis, knowing the players, knowing small school guys. I mean, if there's anyone really that I know that, you know, could talk about small school guys, it's him. And, you know, he's always given a lot of respect to those guys. So um, I have a lot of respect for Alex and I hope he'll be on the show. I think the idea was he'd be kind of the emergency quarterback. And, you know, you'll still be able to hear him on pros like us with Lou and Alex, um, you know, which is still on NFLDraftBlitz.com. And they got a lot of things going. And so, yeah, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about you, Brendan. I mean, you're, you're going to be our new host and I'm going to kind of stay as the analyst, you know, the color analyst. And um, that's kind of what we've we, we've decided. And um you know, Brendan, why don't you talk about how, uh, just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm going to Colorado State University at the moment, and I'm, you know, I got endless passion for football. I'm a big, big Cleveland Browns fan, so you might catch me on some homer picks every once in a while, but I've been on the show uh, quite a few times. You may have seen me on like maybe the last five episodes or so with Alex, but yeah, I just, I'm super passionate about the game uh, inside and out, whether it's analytics, whether it's, you know, watching film. Um, just the game of football, I live and breathe it. So just being able to be here and talk about football, it's, it doesn't get better than that. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, why don't, why don't we lead right into, uh, what we want to talk about today? Um, why don't we start with college football? Yeah. I mean, last week was incredible for college football and we got, got probably one of the biggest upsets we'll see, uh, throughout the year. I mean, Oregon able to pull out that victory over Ohio state and, I mean, what a game! You you just yeah they haven't been able to pull off a pull off a win in in ten meetings between the two. What did you see out of this game, Ed? Really, what I see is is that uh, Ohio State is not the team that they've been in years past. You could see that in my predictions, and just you know maybe Ohio State will win the Big Ten, but I don't think this is a year where they go to the playoffs, or I don't I don't think they're going to be as dominant this year. I just I think, you know, with a rookie quarterback and, um, you know, they're a little bit in rebuild mode. I mean, they've been able to rely on Justin Fields the past two years. Um, you know, he's he's led the charge. And now you really have to roll with a young quarterback. And, you know, with a big-time program like Ohio State, that's very hard to do. You know, I agree with you. I full-heartedly agree. Um, you know, you, you saw, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Ohio State may have a lot of talent, but... It sure is young talent, and you can you can see the the confusion is there. Uh, Oregon was just absolutely eating up that left side of the field. Um, if I remember correctly, four of their touchdowns were scored on that left side. Um, three of them with a run, and one with a pass. And um, Ohio State, you know, they offensively you can't you really can't play a much better game. You had six hundred uh, six hundred offensive yards. Um, C.J. Stroud had had a pretty pretty solid game, with the exception of that you know um, game ending interception, but. You, you really can't play that much better offensively for Ohio State. You just, you, you give up 500-some yards on defense and comes back to bite you when half of it's in the running game. So um, Ohio State really, really needs to fix that uh, run defense if they want to have any shot of being, you know, even a top-ranked team this year. And, you know, you go back to the week before. They gave up 31 points to Minnesota. Um, that, that concerns me, you know, and then you give up 35 again this week. Uh, that's just that does, doesn't seem like a top four team to me, you know. Um, like I said, you have all the young talent, but I think this Ohio State team is going to be one that's a lot better next year. But I don't know if they're quite ready for it this year. And I mean, you know, Ohio State's still going to be a good team. I, I'm not. I'm not saying they're they're not. I, I just I think the quarterback position is 
uh, a big weakness. Um, I mean, turning to to the Pac-12 a little bit. I mean, what 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 do you think of these Oregon Ducks? I mean, are they are they for real? Are they gonna be? Um, you know, USC things aren't looking good, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. But um, you know, what what do you see out of the Oregon Ducks? I mean, I I, I liked what I saw at Oregon. I mean, it's it's kind of rare to see a dominant run game in college football over the passing game. So um, just to see a guy like C.J. Verdell, you know, absolutely tear it up like that in you know in the receiving game on top of the running game, I think I think Oregon has a has a very talented roster right now. Um, I, I could see them, I could see them doing pretty well this season. And I, I don't want to, you know, jump the gun just because they get that big win over Ohio state. But, you know, um, Anthony Brown is, he doesn't, he doesn't fully sell me, you know, he had, he had a solid game, but I really like that running game at Oregon. I like, I like running the football. Um, so I'm, I'm, I have a little bit of faith in Oregon this year. You know, things aren't looking good for USC, you know, Washington's not up there. Who contends with Oregon for the PAC 12? You know, honestly, I kind of want to go out on a limb and say Oregon has a chance. Uh, I just, I really like USC, but with the with the loss of Clay Helton and everything, they haven't had a winning season in a long time. I just, you know, Oregon really impressed me last week. I, I do want to say Oregon can. I think I think that might be kind of where they go, um, you know, in the Pac-12. And this might be another year where the Pac-12 doesn't have a college football representative and um you know with the expanding college football i mean this could be really a open door for you know the pac-12 and you know especially with you know ohio you know big 12 in the future losing a couple teams i mean you know i i, I think things are, are are looking up for the pac-12 but like you know they're 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 getting the chance but they got to come and take it um so i give oregon credit because i mean they they went out and took it to Ohio State, they went. You know, they put them on the schedule. They put the Buckeyes on the schedule. Uh, I mean, they knew they weren't going to be the favorite in the game. They put them on the schedule anyway. They beat them. They beat them week one. They were ready. So, um, you know, Oregon Oregon Ducks stock up. I mean, stock up Oregon Ducks. You heard it here first. Oregon Oregon has a chance to to take that Pac-12. All right. What do you think about the the preview we got coming up with Alabama and Florida. You got two teams that are looking hot right now, but, um, you know, something's telling me that we all kind of know how this game might play out. Um, Ed, what are your thoughts on this uh, Alabama versus Florida matchup? Well, you know, I did watch the Alabama versus Miami game, and Alabama looks loaded. They look absolutely loaded and ready to beat uh, Florida. I mean, I, th- I think this team, I mean, you, you could just see the way they were dominating the Miami Hurricanes. I mean, the Hurricanes aren't a slouch, you know, like, I mean, they're, they're, they're a good ACC team and they went out and took it to them and made them look like they were, you know, uh, a non-Power 5 conference team. That's really what they made them look like. They made them look like, I mean, they, they, they absolutely embarrassed them. And um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's not what I want to happen. I mean, I want to see some parity in college football, but this 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 Alabama team just keeps reloading. You know, I I 100% agree with you. Um, Alex and I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, Nick Saban, there's just there's no downfall for this man. And um, you know, Florida Florida may have looked awesome the last two weeks, but you know they were they were playing South Florida and Florida Atlantic, so not necessarily um, huge competition. And you know, Florida's no slouch themselves, but you know, they uh, Dan Mullen has never beaten Nick Saban in their ten meetings, and I just if you if you're able to keep their their dual threat QBs Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson in the pocket, there's no ch- they, they, there's no chance they you know march down and have these methodical drives against Alabama. It's just not going to happen. And you know they they really thrived off having those um, big scramble and you know launch it forty yard downfield uh, big time plays and. That's just not something you're going to do against Alabama. You're going to be thrown into tight coverage, tight windows. You're going to have to be making quick decisions. There is no running around and heaving it 60 yards downfield. It's you're just it's Alabama doesn't let that happen. There's a reason they're number one team every year. So um, I, I see Alabama win, winning this by you know even three, possibly four possessions. I don't want to sell Florida short, but I also I want to give Alabama their credit. Um, I I can't see I can't see Florida in any way, shape, or form, pulling an upset in this one. Yeah, I don't see them pulling an upset, but I mean, what, what, what is a, what is a moral victory for the Florida Gators in this game? I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you know, I mean, they can't, you know, 
Like the, a lot of these Florida guys, I mean, they're you know the, we're going to talk about them during draft season, and uh, you know they need to put some good film uh, in these games against Alabama. You know these you know these cornerbacks and so forth. You know they're going to ask them. You know how did you do against Alabama's receivers? And um, so I mean I think there's going to be you know I, I think this is a this is a key game for Florida, and um, you know this is this this has NFL futures you know on the on the line. And I mean when we start watching tape. Uh, for for the off season and for the draft, I mean, we're going to be watching this game. And no, I totally agree with you. This is um, this is a game where you can gain moral victory out of it, uh, especially for a lot of these individual players. If you know, if like you said, if you put good film against Alabama, that raises your draft stock by by quite a million miles. So, um, and I think for Florida as a whole, if you can keep this game within you know two possessions, lose by you know. 13 or less which is you know I would I would be impressed with Florida if they can do that so I think I think being able to keep it within two possessions you know playing hard until the fourth quarter is a moral victory against Bama let's play a little Davil's advocate here I mean what 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 happens what happens if you know what what has to happen for Florida to get an upset in this game I mean, it's really just about making the making those big time th- uh, throws and making throws into coverage. Um, like I said, Alabama is they're really gonna go down that two gap scheme, and you know they're gonna ma- they're gonna make it really hard for the quarterbacks to roll out. So they're gonna have to sit in that pocket, and they're gonna have to deliver some strikes. Um, it's it's not it's not true to Florida's play style, but you're gonna you're gonna have to adapt a little bit if you want to play Alabama because. Alabama, they play to your weaknesses, so they're they're going to expose you at your worst point. And so it's just trying to make a strength out of those weaknesses, trying to maybe change your identity a little bit for this game. Um, that is that is quite a big asking out of these quarterbacks, you know. And I don't want to sell Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson short. They are incredible athletes, but they aren't necessarily players that are going to sit there in the pocket and make that quick decision and throw it into tight coverage. So, I mean. Is this is this a game that you take the over on? Is this I mean is this going to be a high scoring game or do you think you know it's it, it's going to be kind of an average scoring game? You know, I I want to say this might be a little bit of a average scoring game. Um, I can't I can't see Florida putting a lot of points on the board, and you know for some reason I I feel like Florida's defense might be able to contain not necessarily hold them but contain. Um, I might want to take the under on this one just because I can't see Florida putting up a lot of points. And I, I think Alabama, um, I think they're going to kind of, you know, control the clock a little more because Florida does have that ability to get the big plays. It's just um, if you if you do let these Florida quarterbacks outside of the pocket, you are exposing yourself for a big time play. So you kind of want to keep the ball in Alabama's hands. And I think they know that. So um, I'm probably taking the under on this one. That's interesting. I I think this is going to be kind of a shootout. I I think these are two great defenses and so forth. But I mean, I just think in this day in college age, I mean, it just you know the the offenses are so good. I think I think both offenses put up against these guys, each other. You know, I I, I can't disagree with you, but uh, my my gut's telling me that I got to go with the under on this one. But I see where you're coming from. All right. Um. So I'll... move move on. Yeah, how about uh, how about that NFL Week One? I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I, it looked like we were watching, you know, playoff games for crying out loud. You got you had uh, what five rookie quarterbacks get their get a uh, get some playing time, and a few of them got their first start. We saw touchdowns out of all those rookie quarterbacks, and you know, you, we had playoff rematches, and you know, um, pl- uh, players going uh, against their former team. So there was just so many different things to look out for Week One, and. Um, there was there was no shortage of exciting games. There was no shortage of uh, you know close games. We had some overtime games. It it really doesn't get better than this week one. And you know one of the first games I want to talk about is that Cleveland Browns and Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, you know the the Browns they were able to hold it close for three quarters and you know they played one heck of a football game. But they were able they uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes and company. Um, you know they they pulled a classic Patrick Mahomes. So. Uh, there, there's no containing that man for four quarters. So, Ed, uh, Ed, what are your thoughts on that Browns and Chiefs game? Yeah, so I know the Chiefs won, and like you know, they, they kind of 
they kind of just stayed in the game. They played in a good game, and then, you know, they, they kind of took over in the second half. And, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, it looked like the Chiefs were the better were the better team overall. But, you know, I, don't, I just don't think the Cleveland Browns, like, I don't think that they showed themselves badly. I don't, I don't think it was, you know, I thought they were really well coached, and I thought they were really well coached at the beginning. I thought the Cleveland Browns were really prepared for this game. I just think I just think ultimately, you know, Patrick Mahomes against a team that you know just hasn't quite played together, you know, hasn't quite. I mean, I mean, it's just it's not fresh. So I, I mean, I, I, I think both teams won that game. You know, I mean, in the win loss column, the Chiefs won, but I, I think both teams showed themselves to be up there in the power rankings. Hey, no, Ed, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I know. Myself included, and along with a lot of Cleveland Browns fans, uh, we we we're not upset with that loss. You know, uh, we we showed our identity. We showed that we can be a legitimate team. And man, Baker looked sharp. Baker looked sharp, man. He he was making some of like some of the most impressive throws I've ever seen out of him. I know there was one throw he had to David Njoku um, on the right side of the field, maybe 30, 35 yards, and I mean it was just unbelievable. And the man still doesn't get any credit for it, but uh, I would highly recommend going to watch some of that Baker film because, man, he, that was some of the best Baker Mayfield you'll ever watch. And, you know, I said it last week, uh, the Browns, they had seven new starters on defense. So if you're telling me they need to stop Patrick Mahomes and company on a game-winning drive, I'm not gonna, I don't see it happening, and that's kind of what happened. So, but other than that, the offense, with the exception of those last few drives, the offense outplayed the Chiefs for three quarters. Um, and you know you kind of lost that game to fixable mistakes. You had the muff, the muffed punt by uh, by the punter, and then you have the Nick Chubb fumble, and so you you're pretty much giving them two free drives out of that. And like you said, Ed, this this is not a this is not necessarily a loss for the Browns. You were competitive with a you know a team that's been in the Super Bowl back to back years with the the best offense in football. Um, and one thing I also want to point out about the Browns is that Anthony Schwartz, uh, Anthony Schwartz could be could be awesome for him. You know, he was he was in there a lot because OBJ wasn't playing, but um, they had him out there as the wide receiver one quite a few times, and every time they called his number, he came up except for one play. Um, defensive back, I can't remember who exactly it was, made a great play on the ball, but Anthony Schwartz could seem to be that weapon for the Browns that you know they've kind of been missing with OBJ's injuries. And you know, Ed, what what uh, did you ever get a chance to watch any Anthony Schwartz that game? Yeah, I actually tweeted out. I, I think this is what I say is uh, I th- I think he can be like their secret weapon. You know, he's got the speed. You can put him on the jet sweep. You can throw him the screen. You can put him in the slot. Um, you know, I think I think he's a nice piece. I mean, especially you know you don't have OBJ. Um, you know, you ask him to be your number four receiver and. Um, I mean, it it, may, it probably wasn't a good game for Donovan Peoples-Jones just in the fact that Anthony Schwartz showed up. But um, I th- I think Anthony Schwartz won the number four job, and I mean he's he, he's going to be he's going to be a factor going forward. I mean this isn't you know we're not waiting for this guy. We, this guy is ready. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think I think you can use him in a lot of different unique situations. He he brings that serious four two speed to the table. So. I think that really adds a kind of another element to the Browns that they might have been missing next year to take them over the top. And um, another thing I wanted to point out was um, Clowney. Clowney somewhat made his presence known. Um, you know, you you would have liked to maybe seen a few more uh, hits on the quarterback, but you know he was getting in there with pressures along with Miles Garrett. So um, I think Cleveland fans, we we got a lot to look forward to this season. Um, uh, we on to the Texans next week, so there, there's a lot of good things going for this Browns team. And um, as for the Chiefs, I mean, you can't ever count that team out. I mean, Ed, Ed, did you think the Chiefs were going to lose that game at any point? I, I did. I really thought like the way the the way the Cleveland Browns were running the ball. I mean, I thought I thought the, I thought that the the Cleveland Browns would be able to better control the clock and. Um, I mean, maybe if if there's a criticism, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming Stefanski for the loss, but I mean, maybe he could have run the ball a little bit more, you know, could have could have controlled the clock a little bit more. Um, you know, I I didn't think this was, you know, they were in a situation where they had to win it with Baker Mayfield. You know, I I couldn't agree with you more. Again, I mean, both of your running backs are averaging over five yards a carry, and I think Chubb only got the got a carries eleven to twelve times. I want to say. Um, 
so yeah, that is the Chiefs. They showed it. They could score on one play, which is exactly what they did on that John Johnson blown play. So um, controlling the clock was a big time. And you know um, that last drive where uh, Baker threw that pick, you almost have to run that ball on first down because you take the big sack. So uh, which takes you out of out of position to run any of the plays you want to play. You're trying to almost play hero ball at that point. So uh, I agree with you. I would have liked to see a little bit more running in that fourth quarter. Even though you may have the game got a little bit out of your control, the Browns offense can run the football and you can control the game with the run like no other. Um, I just, I think next time you got it, you got to, and the Browns struggled with this last year, um, that Ravens game. They could have won it if they had better clock management and they almost blew a few uh, due to clock management. So um, I think getting that clock management down and, you know, fixing those fixable errors such as fumbles and muff punts. Cleveland Browns are serious contenders this year, and you know I, and I know it's only week one, but if you get that out of a team that you know just was out uh, playing against a team that was in back-to-back Super Bowls, um, I think I think there's pretty high expectations there. Yeah, so let's let's go on to some other games. Uh, so how about uh, you want to talk about Pittsburgh? Did you see the Pittsburgh game? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Pittsburgh played a great game. Um, I'm totally shocked. Um, I didn't expect that, but uh, you know, it's same 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 problem as Steelers' offensive line. Um, you know, I, I I think I think maybe you know there there were a few bright spots, but I still I still don't feel like the Steelers. I like them from a pass blocking standpoint, but I worry about them from a run blocking standpoint. I mean, I just think I just think you know as the season goes on, they're going to have to be able to run block better. You know, I, I agree with you. Um, and it was not it was not the Steelers' offense that won you that game. And you know, your your uh, first round draft pick, Najee Harris, he only averaged about two point four yards a carry, I believe it was. So um, that run de- that run uh, that run blocking definitely needs to see some improvement if you guys want to uh, you know have a chance to control that AFC North. But um, nonetheless, what an impressive win over over a team that was in the AFC Championship last year. Um, that defense showed why they were number one ranked last year. And, you know, the TJ Watt showed why he was paid, even while getting held that whole game. You know, I'm a Browns fan, so I'm not too big on TJ Watt. But, you know, TJ Watt Good was thing getting we're held. Recording this. Right, exactly. <laughs> that man was getting held all day and still, still getting pressures in there. So, you know, Pittsburgh. And the biggest improvement I think I saw out of Pittsburgh was that secondary. I know Pittsburgh's secondary was was kind of struggling a little bit towards the end of the year last year, but they looked awesome against a very lethal uh, Buffalo Bills receiving core. And I know, Ed, you're, you're a big Steelers fan, so um, was there anybody on, on the team specifically or one aspect of the team that really impressed you? Gosh, uh, I really I really like this team from a, from a defensive line standpoint. I just, I think this team, you know, brings all kinds of guys from the interior. I think they bring guys from the outside and, you know, they, they, they know how to get pressure on the quarterback. And that's, that's what's, that's what's developed in the last few years is Ben has kind of declined. Um, the Steelers have been getting pressure. I mean, there was a time where it was Ben and AB who were, you know, running this team and getting, you know, getting this team, you know, winning games for this team. And I think, you know, as soon as it was almost as soon as Ben started to decline that, you know, this team started to really get some pressure. And uh, I mean, TJ Watt, I mean, he's worth every penny. I mean, they were, they were not going to let him get out of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh. I mean, he, you know, they, they were not going to go to that first game. I mean, the Steelers, the Steelers will wait till the deadline. They set the hard deadline for week one and they they got the deal done which i mean good for them good for them to get the deal done um but yeah i mean he he he's he's going to have to be there and uh you know it, it sucks that it's only 4 years but um you know to be honest with you would you sign a 7 year deal i mean in this day and age with these nba contracts and so forth and you know with nfl contracts and being short and so forth i mean would, do do you even sign do you even sign a 7 year contract when you know the, the the salary cap is just going to keep going up. No, I I don't. And you know the thing is, I'm uh, I've always been kind of been one opposed to those super super long term contracts. You know, like even a guy like Mahomes, I understand the talent level, but like what it was it ten years or something like almost that. It's just you you can't rely on a guy being elite for that long. You know, four years. Is a is a it's a that's a solid prime. So if you if you have that guy for that prime and 
you know, if, if he balls out for those four years, who's to say you can't re-sign him again? So, um, no, I, I, I like what, how the Steelers handled this contract. And like you said, you that's somebody you have to get back on your team. He's the That's the heart and soul of your defense and completely change as every aspect of your defense if that man's not on your roster. So um, great, great move by Pittsburgh to get him back in there. Um, another thing I wanted to point out about that game is I, I, I can't I can't really tell if I was imp- uh, more impressed by the Steelers or I was more underwhelmed with Buffalo. Uh, you know, Josh Allen got that big contract this offseason, but I mean, you know, if we're looking at that game, that did not look like a quarterback deserving of that contract. And, you know, not to discredit what he was able to do last season because, you know, he was spectacular. But is it just me or did he just not look sharp? He was he wasn't very accurate. He missed on some deep balls and that's normally his money ball. He wasn't that necessarily explosive QB that, you know, kind of brought that Mahomes-esque can score from anywhere on the field. Um, And, you know, I kind of thought he was looking off of his first read and kind of making a bad read to his second or third and... And not just Josh Allen, there was some horrendous play call by the by the Bills uh, coaching staff. That play on fourth and one, I mean, I don't know what on earth that was, that little uh, bubble screen or whatever that was. It had no chance from the get-go. So I was I was a little underwhelmed with Buffalo. Um, did, did you see kind of a different Josh Allen, or do you think uh, the Steelers' defense was just able to, you know, hold him in check? Honestly, honestly, I don't worry about the Bills. I don't worry about Josh Allen. I mean, it's it's week one for for the Buffalo Bills, and uh, you know he's still a young quarterback. I, I think I think as the season goes on, um, you don't have to worry about Josh Allen. Um, you know, quarterbacks. I mean, you know, I, I honestly estimate that Josh Allen will play. You know, fifteen years in the league, and I think I think a lot of a lot of these years. Um, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of these years, um, you know, I mean, he's going to have games like this. You know, it's just it's just what you expect. It's just what you expect from a quarterback who has a long career. Um, it was week one. Um, I, 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 I don't – I mean, he was still 30 for 51, 270 yards, one touchdown. I mean, it wasn't – it wasn't a terrible game. He didn't throw a lot of picks, so I'm not I'm not really gonna put this on Josh Allen. I'm gonna say the Pittsburgh Steelers won this game. Okay, yeah, I mean I can respect that. I I think this uh, I was I was kind of um, somewhat in a way doubting the Steelers a little bit. I I did pick them to sneak into a wild card just because of you know how how great of an organization that is. You know despite what roster issues they had and you know injuries they they the Pittsburgh Steelers just always find a way to impress and. You know, I hate to admit it, but it's one of the best-run organizations in the league, and Mike Tomlin continues to show why that is so. And, you know, a lot of people were kind of kind of counting Pittsburgh out this year, you know, saying they're, they're not near the team that they were last year. And, you know, they were saying that last year too. So, Ed, I don't think you – I think you're in store for kind of a more exciting th- season than both you and I were thinking about. Um, and like I said, you're, the big concern for me coming into that season for your guys' defense was the secondary – and the secondary just looked sharp. They looked awesome, able to hold Stefan Diggs in check, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. I mean, that's that's an impressive receiving core, and uh, the Steelers' defensive backs really were able to step up to the table. So um, I was I was really impressed with Pittsburgh, and I, I you know I agree I I can see why you think this is a Pittsburgh win and not necessarily a Buffalo loss. Yeah, and, and just just a side note is I want to give a shout out to Deontay Johnson who was holding on to the football. Like, like it was his firstborn child. I mean, he he was making some great catches. He had great hands. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for what he can become. You know, maybe he's a little bit of a late bloomer, but uh, he excites me. Um, especially like what he can be in the slot. Um, so I mean, that's that's a that's a that's a thing. And but you know, I I know I know I annoy Alex with this, and I hope I don't annoy you with this. But you know, it's week one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean. We're, we got we got 17 weeks to play. You know we got 18 18 weeks. You know we got 17 games to play. We got a whole playoff. So um, you know let's 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 look to week two and see see what's go. You know what 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 we can look forward to and what's what's going to happen next. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, I I agree with you. Um, there was there was a little bit of whispers about uh, Johnson kind of being able to come into his own. I know he struggled with drops last year, but. Um, was it him that made that juggling catch in the in the end zone against Buffalo? I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it was in the corner of the end yeah. zone. And he, I mean, that's, it, that's it, just it was, an impressive grab. It was definitely grab. like a, 
you know, it, it was definitely, he, you know, he, he cast out his arms. I can't remember. Um, he high-pointed the ball, and, yeah, I think he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, that's just great playmaking ability by your slot receiver. And, you know, I think that's something that could really benefit uh, Pittsburgh, especially if it takes a little bit longer than you're expecting to get that running game started. But, hey, like you did say, it is uh, it is week one, and you were going up against a very, very uh, – you know, impressive defense. Buffalo's defense is not slouches by any means. So um, I think as the season goes on, you know, hopefully Najee Harris is, well, not against the Browns at least, but hopefully Najee Harris is able to, uh, you know, get that yards per carry up. But, you know, the potential's out of the roof for Najee. Um, did you, was there anything that you saw out of that game from Najee Harris that you liked, that you didn't like? Um, I saw I saw there was a couple plays, you know, um, where he's running away from that linebacker on that third down where he makes that catch where, um, I thought that maybe he just lacked a little bit of burst. I could be completely wrong, but um, you know, you, you had to get four yards, and he wasn't necessarily able to turn that corner up. Um, but I, you know, I I do think the the potential is through this roof with Najee Harris. But um, I can't say I was underwhelmed because it was just week one. But I would have maybe liked to see. Um, in week two coming up, maybe try to get the ball in Najee Harris's hands more and give him an opportunity to make that play. Maybe get him on some screens or something like that. Um, I don't want to wait too long to get this guy implemented in my offense, you know, if I want him to be a big part, you know? Yeah. I, um, hmm. But would you like to see, would you like to see Najee Harris utilized a little bit more in the pass game next week? If, if you're not able to get that running game started? You know, I think it was really an issue of run blocking. I mean, if you can't if you can't run block, throw him a screen. I agree with that. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you know, <laughs> if you're if you're not if you're not run blocking, I mean, if you're not run blocking, uh, you know, you you can't you can't you can't run the ball. You know what I'm saying? I think I think the running back is a factor in the game. You know, I'm trying to change my or not just change, trying to change. I I've changed my philosophy on that and. I do think the running back does matter more in the game, and I do. But I, I just don't think you know if 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 no one. I mean, if it's like if he's overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage, and he was overwhelmed at the line of scrimmage, and he had no holes to run through, and when there's no holes to run through, Najee Harris can't do anything. So I, you know, I I don't blame him that he only ran for you know not even seventy five yards, but that's not his fault. That's not on him. You know what he he's just got to you know stay mentally tough. And those young guys got to learn to run block. You know, I agree with you. And like I said, you're playing Buffalo's defense. That's There's no slouches on that defensive line. So, um, you know, hopefully next week they'll be able to get that run game going a little more. But if not, try to get implemented in the pass game. But um, moving on to one of the more exciting, and I think a lot of people were looking forward to this, Sam Darnold's return to the Jets, um, you know, starting as the Panthers quarterback. And, you know, Good, good for Sam Darnold. I just want to say that. Good for Sam Darnold. You know, um, got kind of thrown into a dumpster fire with with New York, and um, never, you know, even myself personally, I I was a big time Sam Darnold doubt, uh, doubter. Also, just because I am a big Baker fan, um, I wanted him to win it out. But you know, Sam Darnold, he showed his flashes in New York, and um, he definitely deserved an opportunity. I'm happy he was able to get it with the Panthers, and you know. If, course his first game had to be against the Jets which is just awesome and to be able to pull that win out um were, were you impressed with uh with Sam Darnold I, th- I thought he looked pretty sharp man I I thought he did do well I didn't I didn't see him play but the fact is is what he showed on the stat sheet shows me that you know this is this is an opportunity that he, he's got a second chance here and I think he can win I think he can win. You know, I, I agree with you. He he uh he kind of seemed um you know I, I was able to watch a handful of that game. Didn't get to catch the whole thing, but from what I saw, I feel like he was already really respected by that offense. He kind of was commanding everybody around him, and you know he he had that respect, and he made some big plays to his uh, uh former receiver with the Jets as well, Robbie Anderson. So they kind of had themselves a field day, getting some revenge. And um you know I thought I thought Sam Darnold looked pretty dang good. Um, there, you know, there was that sloppy handoff um, where you were in scoring position. I think it was on, like, fourth and one, but you're on the two-yard line. So um, it's just little mistakes like that. But I, I thought it was a much-improved Sam Darnold, and you can see how much better of a system he's in right now. And, 
you know, how much more talent there is. And one thing I really think helped Sam Darnold this week was having that elite security blanket in Christian McCaffrey. You know, because in New York, you didn't really have, you didn't, if you're in trouble, you're in trouble in New York, you know. So um, now you have the best pass catching back in football. And, you know, I think he dumped it off to him about nine times that game. So to have that, you know, elite backup plan, it really, I think, helped Sam Darnold to help keep that completion percentage up and, you know, just keep the flow of the offense going. Um, and, you know, like I said, other than that one sloppy handoff, he was he was accurate. He was quick with his decisions. Um, if his first read wasn't there, he made his progressions cleanly. Um, you know, I, 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 think, I think we could see some pretty pretty big things from Sam Darnold this year. Um, did you get a chance to see anything on Zach Wilson? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think Zach Wilson really played the game that I thought he was going to play. Um, he was, he was sort of my guy and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up on him, but, uh, you know, I I mean, I thought, I thought that he would be a more dominating player and I have to realize that it's kind of a trust the process system, uh, you know, with the Jets. I mean, they're, you know they're not they're not just back. You know what I'm saying? I mean I almost feel like the Jets are the Cleveland Browns of four years ago, right? Four years ago the Jets are the Cleveland Browns. You know, or three years ago when they got Baker Mayfield, right? When they first get Baker Mayfield, we don't know who Baker Mayfield is. And you know Baker Mayfield played well. I think he played well in his first game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean it was funny enough against the Jets, and yeah, he was able to pull out the win. It was pretty solid for a first start. Yeah, but I mean it wasn't. You know, I mean, I mean, he still had, you know, you know, there still needs to be more moves. There still needs to be more draft picks. You know, it's not, it's not a finished product. But I mean, I think, I think it's the right direction for the Jets. But um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, give him a, a, you know, a pat on the back yet. Um, You know, he, he hasn't earned it. But I think he can be a great quarterback. I mean, one thing I do want to say, I mean, we're, you know, we're kind of on our uh, NFL side of the show, but not his backup, but the guy who's taking over for him at BYU looks pretty good. And it looks like the Cougars could be in the Big 12. Wow. I mean, there's just there's just so much going on with all this, uh, you know, college football, you know, divisions moving around or people switching divisions and everything. So I thought... Uh, Jalen, I'm blanking on the last name. I thought he showed up pretty well for for the BYU Cougars. I think they're two and zero now. I think um, you know having Zach Wilson, you know, dominate the way he has and so forth. I think I think they're a program on the rise. So I definitely stock up BYU Cougars. Yeah, definitely. And you know, another thing I wanted to point out about Zach Wilson. You know, like you said, I'm I'm not quite ready to give him a pat on the back. Uh, and, and the easiest way to put it is he played like a rookie quarterback. He, he played like a rookie quarterback. You know, one thing, uh, one highlight I guess I could give him is you saw the, you, there was a few throws where you saw the elite arm talent, um, you know, off of his back foot, able to just rip that ball, the perfect spiral, and it has some serious zip on it. Um, there was a few throws where, you know, he's, you know, struggling to, you know, stay in the pocket and just kind of throws it up for a prayer. So, um, you know, you see the, the rookie tendencies in him, but um, you also, you see you see that elite arm talent. It's just, you can't deny it. And I know a lot of his throws were bad decisions, but that ball was beautiful coming out. So um, I think I think he's able to, you know, kind of develop. And like you said, not all the pieces are quite there yet. I like, I like where the Jets are going. Uh, I like the direction. I like the hire of Robert Sala. You know, that's, that's a great, uh, great defensive mind coming over from uh, San Francisco. And I think the Jets can really benefit from being, you know, a defensively led team. Um, but like you said, I think, I think Zach Wilson still needs a little bit more pieces in place. I would like to see that offensive line get upgraded. But um, I think you've got, as of right now, you've got a decent starting point to work with with your offensive weapons. Um, you drafted Michael Carter, who I think could, you know, could be a good running back in the future. But, you know... Um, you just bring over Corey Davis, who I, I believe he had 100 yards receiving that game from uh, Tennessee, and then um, Elijah Moore, who hopefully can come into his own. I know he didn't have that great of a game, but um, hopefully he can come into his own and you know kind of be that other a weapon, and then you get Denzel Mims back. So, um, like I said, I really like the direction that this Jets team is going, but uh, um, I think they they are quite a few years out, like you like your comparison to that Browns team, um, and then. Uh, did you get a chance to see, hear, or see, or hear about any of the 
Atlanta Falcons and Philadelphia Eagles game because, man, Jalen Hurts was electric. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that. I'd love to hear your analysis. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't, like you said, it is week one, but, um, you know, towards the end of the season last year, I liked what I saw out of Jalen Hurts. You know, you, you saw what, you know, kind of was in the making. You saw what he could be. And I think week one, he showed what his identity, you know, is. You are going up against a very, you know, weak defense, per se, against the Falcons. I think that you can make a strong case for them being one of the worst defenses in football. But, um, you know, just the Eagles as a whole looked like a much different team than last year. But Jalen Hurts just, he looked like he's been in the league for, you know, four or five years already from that from that game. So um, one, one thing that I really liked about him was... Um, his accuracy and his the the throws he was making that were off balance. I mean, it just it it was kind of like a like a comparing to what Zach Wilson's top tier throws are. It's just so much zip on the ball. It was you know a very pretty ball. It had a super tight spiral and it came out very effortlessly. And you can kind of just see his ability to command an offense a lot better than he was able to last year. And you know wasn't necessarily given much opportunity to do so last year. But um, you can. You can see that he's, you know, he's rallying his troops, and uh, you can see that this Eagles team is behind him. Um, he was super quick with his decision making. Uh, he was able to connect on that uh, touchdown to Devontae Smith. Um, super happy for him as well. You know, people said he'd be too skinny. No chance. I think that man's going to be a stud. Um, and another thing that really impressed me about Jalen Hurts was his pocket poise. Um, that that line did collapse on him quite a few times, but he was able to maneuver around the pocket and it wasn't even in a in a you know freaking out way it wasn't you know scramble 17 yards to the right of the field and then flip it and then huck it up it was you know step up in the pocket and feel the pressure and you know just adjust it it was it was really really nice to see Jalen Hurts kind of you know come into his own and and like you said it is week one there's a lot of football left but if this is if this is the Jalen Hurts we're getting right now Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for you know a future contender for MVP because this this man is he's legit. He Jalen Hurts has serious talent, and to, to have that dual threat ability on top of that, I mean I, the the sky's the limit for this guy. He's gonna be a start in the league for a very long time. You know, Brendan, when you tell me that scouting report, I can't help but think about when I saw him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile and thinking. This guy's nothing special. You know what I mean? Right? Like, yeah. Like, like I just, I, you know, I mean, it just, you know, it was almost like, you know, the reason he was in Mobile was because of what he was as a college quarterback. I mean, he was, you know, I mean, I remember like when Jalen Hurts was a freshman at Alabama, they said, you know, great player, great college player, but I don't think he's a quarterback. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he's going to play in the NFL. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just, you know, he, at Oklahoma was kind of where he got that sort of NFL status. And, you know, as a senior, he, he came back for a senior year and uh, he, 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 he won, you know, he yeah. won. Um you know, I, I mean, I didn't think he was particularly great, but I mean, the fact is, is that he, you know, they, you know, the Eagles, it didn't look good because they drafted, you know, Jalen Hurts in the second round. Carson Wentz wasn't looking good. Um, and it, it just goes to show, I mean, things can look a certain way in the NFL and they can totally turn. Uh, and, and that's exactly, that's exactly how it is with Jalen Hurts. Um, that's exactly how it is with Jalen Hurts is, uh, you know, not, you know, he's not a, he's not a big quarterback. I mean, he's, he's, he's fast. He's a good athlete, but he's not the best athlete, but he seems to, he seems to, he seems to, I don't know. He, he it seems like he, he's a guy who can win in an NFL stadium. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way about Kyler Murray. I mean, I, I like Kyler Murray more than Jalen Hurts, but, um, you know, these these sort of compact, I mean, he's not the most compact, but he's, he's more of a compact, you know, running quarterback. And, uh, you know, he's he's proving himself. And it's it's I, I think I think it's it, it's changing the way we're going to look at scouting. Right. Like the way we scout quarterbacks. I mean, it just it, it's always changing. And um 
you know, it's just hard to, I mean, it's just hard when you watch film on a guy like Jalen Hurts because it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't like shock you. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, absolutely. I, you know, you, you just watch a guy like Zach Wilson and you're like, this guy is an NFL quarterback. You know, Trevor Lawrence, this is an NFL quarterback. Justin Herbert, this is an NFL quarterback. And, um, but you know what? He, 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 he was always, I mean, he was the guy who won the job at Alabama and he proved himself. And some people are just winners. Some people are just born winners. No, 100%. And you know, um, I'll, I'll eat my words on this one. I, uh, I kind of thought Jalen, Jalen Hurts would be somewhat of a, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota-esque type career, you know, start for a few years and then maybe, maybe fall into a backup position. Cause like you said, there was nothing that necessarily sold me on him. I was like, wow, this guy, you know, this guy's going to be special. I thought he was going to get his opportunity to start for a few years and we might see some, and then I'm not, I was never denying his talent. I know he's a very talented football player, but you know, like you said, there's a big difference between a college football quarterback and an NFL quarterback. So he seemed a lot more comfortable this year, and I think Philly's got a really, a really underrated team put around him. Um, you know, I like that offense a lot. You have a you have a pretty solid offensive line, and you got Miles Sanders in the backfield, and Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, um, Zach Ertz. You, you have a lot to work with in in Philly. So I, I think Jalen Hurts is on on pace to have a really exciting season and. Uh, like you said, some people, they're just born winners. And I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong this year, including myself. Why don't we go into talk about a few games? The big game that kind of stands out to me, gets me excited for week two is Chiefs Ravens. And it's in, it's in Baltimore. Chiefs are the, you know, the favorite, you know, they're the road favorite. You know, how, how do you think this game goes? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. Um, one thing that, you know, the, the Chiefs, they can air it out whenever they want. And that's, that's exactly how the Raiders were able to pull that win off. There was, there was a lot of, you know, blown coverage plays. So um, the Chiefs, every single game, they managed to get, you know, a guy behind that safety. So I just, I, I can't see. And with, with how sloppy Baltimore's offensive line looked, I honestly don't see them really having having a chance. Like, I'm not going to say they're going to, you know, get blown out against KC because the Ravens, they're a good football team. You know, they're a great organization, and they just they don't get blown out. But um, I think the Chiefs control this game. I think, you know, from the get-go, we kind of will see how the game will play out, and we'll know that the Chiefs are going to win that game because, you know, the, you got, you're going up against Chris Jones now. So he, he was eating against the Browns offensive line, which is ranked number one in football. So um, if you're going to put him against... You know, the the Ravens O-line who struggled tremendously, the, you know, looked like arguably the worst offensive line in football week one. So I think Chris Jones has a big game. You know, I get Lamar Jackson's got the scrambling ability and stuff, but you, I, I really do think the Chiefs control this game. Um, if the Ravens want any shot at winning it, I think you have to attack the Chiefs secondary, especially on the outside of the field. Um, that's where the Browns were able to find some success. So you gotta, you gotta kind of take the blueprint. If the Ravens want any chance, that that O line has got to play better and give Lamar some time to, to deliver some strikes to the outside of the field. Um, I think you need a big game from Mark Andrews if you want to have any chance at winning. Because I don't, I don't think there's anybody on KC that you know can straight up cover Mark Andrews one on one. So if you can get Mark Andrews in those one on one situations and you know somewhat improve that offensive line, just give him a little bit more time. I think the Ravens have a shot, but just based off of what I saw in Week One, I think Casey. I think Casey kind of runs away with this one. I think if the Ravens can't beat the Raiders, they can't beat the Chiefs. So I'm gonna go with the Chiefs in this one. Hey, that's it. Doesn't get more better and simple than that. I mean, <laughs> and you know, uh, one thing I do want to point out is the Raiders. They did. They impressed me. Um, you know, I like I said, the Ravens' offensive line was nothing special, but. You know, I, I was not holding the Raiders to high expectations at all this year. And, you know, I, I've always been one to vouch for Derek Carr. I think he's one of the more underappreciated and underrated quarterbacks this uh, this league has seen in, you know, the last eight years. But, um, you know, he showed it. He, he when it, When it mattered, he was able to find Zay Jones open, wide open. And, you know, great game by Zay Jones and uh, Darren Waller as well. So uh, that AFC West, man, that AFC West looks phenomenal. I think I think it's a good division, but I I just I don't know I, I think I think I think it's a Chiefs division. But old friend, uh, you know, of our uh, interview, Max Crosby had a big night on Monday Night Football. 
Yeah, Max Max Crosby was he that man has got some wheels, some serious wheels for a defensive lineman. There was that play where I remember Lamar was, you know, scrambling to the right side of the field and Max Crosby hunted him down like, you know, like a cheetah hunting a hunting a deer or something like that. So, it was it was unbelievable. Um yeah, Max Max Crosby had a huge game. Uh great great uh strip sack by Carl Nassib to, you know, to give the Raiders that uh, field possession or that um in overtime to kick the game-winning field goal. Um you know, every every part of the Raiders team showed up when they had to. You know, the, except, except for Alex Leatherwood on that uh, you you're on the 1-inch line. The last thing you can do right there, Alex Leatherwood, is jump. And you know, he did just that. So um, that's one thing. If the Ravens need to fix anything, it's just penalties. But other than that, um, I think the Raiders, Raiders were a much better team than a lot of us were expecting. And you know, every team in that AFC West was able to pull out a win Week One. But like you said, I think this is the Chiefs' division, and it will be for years to come. Yeah, I just I I want to I remember kind of talking to Max Crosby, and I remember him being pretty humble, and you know, saying you know how he kind of got his start was you know he was a practice squad player. And he uh, he got the practice squad player of the year award as a freshman. And he just seemed to kind of come up the ranks. You know, he was a small school guy. And I think even him being a fourth round pick, I didn't, I didn't get the feeling from him that he was like, you know, in his mind, you know, he was that pick. I think, I think he's kind of surprised himself a little bit. I mean, you know, these guys are all confident in themselves and they, they know that they can be the best, but, and you know, they wouldn't be out there if they didn't think they could be the best, but, um, I think I think in some ways Max Crosby's a little a little is impressed himself. No, I agree with you. You know, um, you know, and it's it's awesome that you've got a chance to interview him. You're always rooting for those guys that are humble and you know um, stay true to themselves. So um, big shout out to Max Crosby and that Raiders defensive line helping both you and I out with the uh, with the Ravens loss. But uh, <laughs> you know this this was an incredible week one, man. I don't think we could have asked for a better. I don't think we could have asked for a better week one. It's been better than you know the last five years that I can remember so um, hopefully week two brings just as much excitement and you know we've got a lot of good games coming up and you know Ed and I will be back next week to you know recap those games and then um, touch up a little bit on some week three games awesome well I appreciate you all tuning in so thank you very much and take it easy everybody